I'm very excited today to be sitting down and talking ball with uh, a fellow Baldwin Wallace Yellow Jacket. He's now special teams coach for the Miami Hurricanes, Marwin Maloof. Coach, uh, I told you before, before we got on here, uh, much probably like everybody who's in coaching and, and knows Coach John Snell, you learn about each other. I've never had the opportunity to, to meet you. You're younger than me, graduated, I think, uh, eight, eight years after me, but I've certainly heard about you, have followed your career, so it's great to be able to, to bring that around and sit down and talk ball with you here today. I appreciate you for having me, Keith. You know, uh, the feeling's mutual. Snelly has uh, has really, you know, painted your career for me as well. I mean, uh, you know, you worked for him directly, and it takes a special person to do that. I know Snelly's going to be listening to this, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, yellow jackets uh, always stick together, and I, and I appreciate uh, I appreciate you and what the, the service that you provide for uh, coaches, you know, all over the country, you know, from high school, college, and, and the NFL. I think it's uh, what, what you do in, in your podcast is amazing. Well, you've had some greater influences early on um, from your playing career, and then I know you started at BW as an offensive line assistant, but you know, looking at that part of it, when what you've been able to take from those early days and some of those mentors, whether they were the coaches you played for, or the guys you work with, what are some of the things that stick out in the lessons you learned early on that really have become part of who you are as a coach today? Sure. You know, um, I think, you know, being around um, just amazing coaches, you know, the late Bob Packer was, was tremendous and, you know, just a, a lot of coaches early in my career. Um, and, you know, knowing, even knowing the history of the Trestle family um, who, you know, I never worked with directly, but, you know, did some camps for Jim a long time ago um, and got to know, you know, his mom and, and the history of the game. I think that was, that was probably the, the most unique thing um, when I was at BW learning, you know, about, uh, you know, the late coach Trestle and, and, you know, how he did things. Um, and, and it all came down to, you know, it's, it's a people business and how you approach it and how you teach with detail and um, just being meticulous about about the detail and and including everybody, um, and I think that's what I think. It, I think that at one point that's how I, I started kind of veering towards you know special teams in in my career early in my career, and and uh, you know still working with the offensive line when I was at Rutgers uh, with with Coach Cristobal a long time ago, uh, but then you know kind of moving towards special teams when when I got into the NFL and and even. Um, even at Rutgers, you know, when, when Darren Rizzi was a special teams coordinator and, and being a ground great people, I'm a historian, I'm a history major by trade. And the one thing that I love is the history of the game and, you know, how it came about and who some of the best coaches are. And that's always been cool. Um, you know, being, you know, you know, morphing into a special teams coach and coordinator um, and assistant, you know, I've gotten to work for some of the best in the business, you know, with, with John Harbaugh and, you know, Jerry Rosberg. And then, you know, the guy I mentioned in, in Darren Rizzi, I don't think there's uh, a better a trio of, of guys that, that I've learned from. Um, and, and especially Darren, I think he is an exceptional person and an unbelievable coach. And, um, you know, those three guys really influenced my career the most uh, as far as how I approach special teams and, and teaching and you know the detail of that that goes into to being a special teams coordinator. You going back to the the BW days and something you brought up there. You know, being a, a historian of the game, and truthfully, if you play or coach at BW for John Snell, you're gonna learn how important that is. And BW's full of tradition anyway. And, you know, there's the, the great book, I think, that John would give out to anybody who was, was part of the coaching staff, and I believe the players would get it as well, but Bill Nichols' book, And We Must Excel, which all of us saw, you know, the, the sign in, in Ersprung Jim on the wall, the quote from Eddie Finnegan, which was, it's very easy to be ordinary, but it takes courage to excel, and we must excel. And then, you know, that whole book goes from the beginning, 1893, all the way through. And so, 
If you're at, at BW, you certainly know uh, the Watts family, Ray Watts, and certainly the Trestle family, but, but everybody who's been a part of it and their contributions to it. And it gives you a pre- an appreciation of, I think, the game in general, uh, but especially the coaching and the men who, who continue to make this game strong. And I know that's always something that I thought John did incredibly well was uh, ingraining that that you you're part of something much bigger than this this season than this team in uh, and I think it encompasses not for us just being a, a Baldwin Wallace Yellow Jacket but just being part of this game as well. Absolutely, I mean you know that you're 100 percent right, and you know I think that you know with with that book and you know just being at, at Baldwin Wallace with with Coach Snell and, and Coach Packard, you know you team you know team is 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 everything and you know being a part of of something greater than yourself um and then doing it within a a community i think and and just kind of i think that's the thing that really stuck out to me as well um you know it's not about you it's about everybody else and then just that berea you know and that small community and, and, you know, that almost foreshadows like what the future is, because every regardless of where you're going to be, regardless of where you coach, it really is a small community. And you want to make the place that you're at into that that small community where everybody has, you know, um, everybody has a role. Everybody has a say. Everybody has you have to it's it, you have to put the team before you. And then, you know, if, if you do it the right way, you know, only good things are going to happen. I mean, when I was at BW, we had, I think, 39 consecutive winning years. Um, gee, I mean, you don't hear about that anymore. You know, that's a, that's a serious consistency that um, doesn't happen at, at a lot of schools anymore. And I think that's special. For sure. Well, you, you took what you did at BW. And well, as I said, we're an offensive line coach first. So assistant at Fordham, assistant at Rutgers, but then you got back to Berea with the Browns. How did that come about that you were able to get, number one, get back to uh, your home in in, uh, in Northeast Ohio, but then hook on with the Browns? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's a great question. And, you know, it, it, it made me reflect recently. Um, it made me reflect recently. And what that means to me is, you know, there's, there's, certain people in your career early on that that mean a lot to you um and those are the people that you want to be around again and what i mean by that was you know mario cristobal was was the assist was was the offensive line coach when we were together um at Rutgers, and i had i was his offensive line ga and he was amazing i mean he let me coach the centers and guards he would take the tackles and work with the tight ends and then we'd you know, we'd, we'd switch. Um, and the opportunity that he gave me and the freedom to be myself as a coach, um, and, you know, learn from him, you know, offensive line played even to a bigger level, you know, to a, a, just a more detailed level was, was tremendous, you know, for me at Rutgers. So, you know, uh, at some point, as you know, as a GA, you have to move on because, um, you know, there may not be an opportunity for you at that place. Um, and you, you know, you need to grow and you need, need to keep moving as, as a coach. And, you know, his relationship with, with Butch Davis, uh, Greg Ciano's relationship with Butch Davis, Mario's relationship with Rob Chizinski, um, who was, who was at that time, the, the tight ends coach for the Browns. Um, they really helped me, you know, get in there and, um, you know, at first I started off as a, you know, the, as, a, as a personnel assistant, um, you know, just to kind of get to know the roster, get to know, you know, how things are, are built um, in the NFL, which to me is incredible value. I mean, it, it, I use it to this day on how, you know, um, how things are done, the waiver wire, um, you know, you get to understand that as a, as a really young coach. And, you know, from then um, there were some changes that were, that were made. Um, you know, on the staff, which kind of allowed me to get in onto the coaching side, you know, um, just a little bit as far as, you know, the game breakdown offensively for, for uh, Rob Chizinski. And, and uh, it, it was, it was pretty incredible. I mean, so, 
you know, you could say that one of the guys that really helped shape my career was, was Mario Cristobal at, at Rutgers. And, and I'm back with him, you know, at Miami, uh, 20 plus years later. Um, and those are the guys that you want to work for because, you know, you have a relationship with them. You have so much respect for them. Um, but you know, he helped me big time, you know, just, just at least get my foot in the door. Um, and then, you know, you have to, you have to show that you, that you belong and, and that you know what you're doing. And, and as a young coach, um, you know, with the Browns, you have to be a sponge, you know, you have to, you have to listen to everybody. You have to, you know, probably listen more than, than speak, um, you know, at certain times. And, you, you know, you're around a lot of good people. Um, you know, Larry Zerline was the offensive line coach, you know, Terry Rabisky, just, just really good people. Uh, they, had, they had good people in the front office, um, you know, that allowed me to, you know, to, to, to be there as well. And, you know, I got a chance to meet Jerry Rossberg, uh, who was the special teams coordinator at the time. Um, and I think he was coming from Notre Dame uh, two years, excuse me, two years before I got there. So, um, you know, I, I got to build a relationship with him and, you know, kind of watch him do what, what he did on the field and be just incredibly meticulous and organized as, as a coach. Um, I mean, you know, you can, it, it just coming from college football and, and seeing at the time, you know, when, when a special teams period start, every guy just sprinting all over the field, knowing exactly you know, who they're working with that day, whether, whether Jerry was leading the entire group or, you know, whether his assistant was doing it at the time, um, or if he had, you know, uh, position coaches, you know, helping out with a block circuit, a, a, you know, pump block circuit and, and guys like, you know, just running to that spot. And then all of a sudden getting everything going was to me like so much, it was so unique. It was so organized. And I'm just like, wow. I mean, like everybody was, was ready to go. And, that was really how I, you know, my first experience with the Browns was, was, you know, with personnel and then just building relationships when I, when I got my foot in the door and it was really cool to be home too. I mean, you know, uh, that's a, that's a storied franchise and I grew up as a Browns fan. Right. Right. Well, it's, it's, uh, I'm sure that for you at the time was a dream to be able to work in that building, but you know, you brought up a, a few things there and it, it reminded me of, one of your colleagues now, and what he said on on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, Alex Mirabal, that you're interviewing every day, right? That you know, I asked him how how did you do what you did, being able to move through. You know, you you got in with your your friend Mario, but you continued in the profession and brought it back to him. He said you're interviewing every day, right? So, like you said, being that young guy who's a sponge, sitting there taking everything in, but also developing those relationships right for you to be able to get to the browns uh, those guys needed to see how you worked and believe in you if they're going to pick up the phone and make a call in this profession and, and you know put their reputation on the line they better believe in you too and so that's what you've been able to do especially early on like i said how did you get to the browns and you described it right there kind of exactly like coach mirabal laid it out yeah i mean you know it's you're, you're so right. When, when you're putting your name behind somebody, um, th there can't be any, there's no hesitation. You know, it's, you're putting your, 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 um, reputation on the line when, when you, you know, you, you put your name behind somebody and, and they're going somewhere. Um, and, and like I said, I, I think, you know, just being around, you know, Greg Chiano, I, I learned a lot, uh, from coach Chiano. He was, he was really, um, a very detailed guy and he probably still is um, you know we don't get a chance to catch up as much as as much as we did in the past but um, you know there's a reason why Rutgers brought him back there you know because what he did worked um, and the guys that were on our staff you know at the time I mean geez you know you look at some of the best coaches that I've ever been around um, and you know I don't want to be a name dropper but you know with with coach Cristobal with you know, Darren Rizzi was there at the time. Uh, Daryl Hazel, you know, was a head coach at Purdue and, and Kent State, you know, right down the road in, in Kent, Ohio. And, um, you know, there's uh, John McNulty, uh, who's, you know, it was, I think, is at Notre Dame. I'm not sure where he's at now. You know, he's, he's actually the offensive coordinator at Boston College. Um, just tremendous, tremendous teaching uh, going on, tremendous um, people. 
Um, and I, I think that, you know, when you're lucky to be around a group of guys like that, you know, um, you, you have to like, you take a little bit from each, each guy and, you know, what, what was so good about, you know, uh, like a guy like Darren Rizzi when he was, you know, in front of the special teams unit, like he always captured their attention, you know, it, it, let's, let's be honest. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. How many people sometimes want to be in a special teams meeting? Not many because everybody thinks that they're an offensive and defensive player, but being around him, he made it so much fun to be in those meetings. Um, and I'll never have like the, the, I can't tell a joke like he does, but I can come close and, you know, we can bring a little energy. I'm more of a one-liner guy, you know, I'm, I'll have, you know, we got to laugh. We got to, we got to break up, um, you know, sometimes the, the day and, you know, you got to give guys, you know, you, you have to have fun. I mean, you know, um, without going on tangents, I think life and, and, and society get so, you know, too serious, like lighten up a little bit, you right. know, and, and, and when you're in my meetings, like you better have thick skin. You know, when I, when, when I was with, with the Ravens, you know, um, you know, it, 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 the, the thing like they would always talk about was have skin like an armadillo, not like a baby deer, you know, and have a thick skin, you know, and, and we're, everybody's going to have your back. It, you know, you're, everybody's, uh, you know, make fun of yourself, you know? Uh, I mean, you know, Darren does that too. And, you know, I make fun of myself. Shit, I'm not perfect, you know, not right. even close, you know, uh, you know, I'm an immigrant guy who, who, you know, wasn't born in this country, but, you know, found something and found passion and in, in what I do. Um, and, you know, sometimes I make fun of that. And when you can, when you have different experiences that can relate to different guys, um, you know, it breaks up the, the seriousness of, of what it can be sometimes. And you have to do that to me for, for special teams. You've got everybody and then refocus real quickly on what the task is ahead. Because just like I said, you know, you, we never have enough time. Um, but, you know, from, for me, I, I learned to have that balance. You know, you, you've got to have that balance of have a little bit of, 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 of a lighthearted room and then get back on track. And if you communicate that to the guys early on, say, Hey, listen, guys, we're going to have a great time in here. We're going to, we're going to laugh. We're going to make fun of each other. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to rewind things about three or four times when a guy gets, you know, when, when a guy gets tripped up or something like that and gets, you know, shot by a, a sniper that's, you know, up in the, <laughs> up in the stands or something like that. But at the same time, you know, we got to refocus and we got to get back to the thing that we're supposed to be talking about. The game situation, the um, the pump block technique, the, you know, the field goal protection. So, you know, like I think if you approach, you know, approach a room with that, you know, they're going to lighten up a little bit. They're going to feel a little bit more engaged. Um, and that's what you want. You want guys to be able to ask questions. You want guys to have ownership of what you're presenting to them because, they're going to know that it's it's going it to it's, it's going to change the game, you know. Definitely. Well, you, you talked about how you start to take a little bit from the different people who, as as you're growing as a coach, you've been able to work with and who had an impact on you. And and so there does come that time though where you get your own room and you are the guy leading it. And I believe for you that was with the Indianapolis Colts. And looking at that, when you now move into that role, I think a big part of that is the mindset that you're going to bring, right? I, I mentioned I was prepping for uh, a discussion I'm going to have with Mike Westoff, you know, legendary NFL special teams coach. And then listening to Mike, you know, I'm listening to, as I've been flying around here uh, the last week or so, listening to, to it on Audible and hearing him narrate it and the, and the word that kept coming through is aggressive is aggressive aggressive like this mindset he had that we're going to attack right and and you see it as he tells the stories of life and everything he's been through i mean the, the guy attacked life and like his book figured it out so if the mindset you bring as a coach that will permeate your room it's important so when you look at that the mindset what is it you bring to your approach to the game and in, in in the mindset part of it no, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, over the years, you, you get a chance to be around different guys. Um, you know, as, as an offensive line 
guy, you know, from, from my roots, um, you know, I think being aggressive, you know, makes sense. Um, I think, you know, just the ability to beat the man across from you, you know, for starters, you know, I, I think, I think it has to start there as well. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a team sport. Um, but I've been around some really good players and some hall of fame players, and they always mention beat the man across from you because it starts there, you know, um, you know, Darren Riziak always talks about doing, do do your one eleventh, you know, and man, that, that always like, that always like stuck out to me. And, and what's when, what's one eleventh mean? Well, you know, there's, there's, there's 11 guys on the field. And if I do my job on the field and even off the field um, and, you know, I execute my technique, which has been repped, you know, over and over and over again, do your one eleven, beat the man across from you. And that's how, if everybody does their one eleventh, then that's how we're going to be successful. Um, and that, that to me just always, always really resonated. Um, but like you said, you know, you, you take certain things from, from the guys that you've been around, you know, from, from Jerry Rossberg, um, you know, some of it was technique, some of it was, uh, you know, approach to the game, um, you know, and, and then being around, you know, coach Harbaugh, you know, before I got to Indy, um, you know, those are the guys that, that probably, you know, influenced me, influenced me the most because, you know, I, I'd only been with Darren for, for a couple of years at Rutgers and, you know, I was mostly working with the offensive line there and then helping him with, you know, the scout team and the look team uh, on special teams. So, you know, those two guys probably, um, you know, shaped my, my career the most, at least at that point, you know, when, when I was with the Colts and, um, you know, John was, John Harbaugh, he, he was such a great person as far as like, you know, he, you know, he'd always tell me when I was, when I was with him in Baltimore, he's like, make sure he's like, if I come to coach like that position, like, you know, if, if you're coaching the Gunners, just let me, if, and if I come over there, just let me coach. And, and that's what, of course, I'm like, he's the head coach. So that's, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm just going to step away and I'll make sure that the line's organized until he decides that he's, he's had enough of, of, you know, coaching the Gunners. And then, you know, when he leaves, then I just pick up where he left off and, you know, um, but like the detail that he goes through um, the simplification of the game, you know, for him, you know, was, was important. And that, that, you know, that like resonated with me because, you know, so many guys want to, you know, give guys like exact coordinates of where their feet should be um, six inch step, three inch step, uh, you know, punching, you know, slit. and, and, and John was somebody who wasn't like super wordy with, with things, because he never wanted to paralyze the players mentally. And, you know, that's the one thing that, that, you know, I always took from him um, and, and Jerry's like, let's not let these, let's get the, let's make sure these guys play fast, you know? So, you know, every step is going to be different based on where your opponent is lined up. And that doesn't necessarily mean we've got to name every step, you know? Um, I think when you have more time and you're a position coach, um, and you have, uh, you know, you, you have the luxury of having more time with that unit or that group or that, you know, that position group, you can possibly, you could do that. But when you're, when you're coaching, you know, 30 gunners and it's preseason camp, um, and you know, you also want to coach the guys that are across from them, um, which is also one of the biggest things I learned, you know, if, if it's a, if it's a gunner punt day, um, make sure you're coaching up the guys across from them. So now not only is it a punt day, it's a punt return day. And, you know, we can, we can double up on, on our time. And, you know, I mean, the, what's the set that iron sharpens iron, you know, and, and that's what you want to create in practice. And that's one of the things that, that I think I took the most, you know, from, from coach Harbaugh is making the game simple, um, making sure that the guys are playing fast. You can still be organized. You can still make sure that they know exactly what to do, but, you know, don't get too wordy with them, you know, um, explain the situation, make sure that they have an understanding of why they're aligned where they're at, you know, on the field, you know, without, without like making them think too much. Okay. Just understand what could happen here. If you're on the front line of kickoff return, if you're the tackle, you know, we want you to split one and two, and, and favor two, you know, because if you're too far outside or if you're, you're outside of number one, if we're counting outside in, 
one through five, then, you know, you may not have the angle to go block the three, you know, on this particular, um, on this particular place. So, you know, just those little things, you know, that, that I used to pick up from coach Harbaugh, you know, I, I kept with me, you know, I kept with me. And then, you know, when we got to the Colts, we had real, you know, we had a really good special, special teams unit at the Colts. You know, we learned a lot, um, you know, learned a lot about, you know, guys and, and teaching. And when you, like, like you said, when you have that room, um, you know, the, the thing I learned most about being in the Colts is, you know, how, how special team is, per, is perceived with different organizations. You know, um, is it, it was as, as important with the Colts as it was with the Ravens. And, you know, the real answer is no, it wasn't because I was working for a head coach with the Ravens who was a special teams coordinator for, you know, 20 years. Um, and he was a, a great leader of men. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't um, like that exact, it definitely wasn't like that exactly with the Colts, but, you know, it just depends on, you know, who you're, who the guy you're working for is, you know, um, you know, Chuck at the time was, was a, was a great coach. He loved special teams. He, he'd been a special teams coordinator, but so many things happened, you know, with his health at the time. And, and then, you know, the guys that took over, um, wasn't it wasn't necessarily a, a top priority for them and that's that's different you know and that's what you have to you know I probably didn't do a great job of navigating that and making sure that you know I, I just stuck with what I knew um, special teams to be as far as the importance of the game and and that's what you know that's what I that's all I know is is how to approach it as if it's the most important thing you know when when coach Cristobal hired me at the University of Miami I told him um you know, I was so thankful for the opportunity. And, you know, I told him, coach, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure that you don't forget how important special teams is. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, okay. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever said it to him, um, you know, said it to him, but you know, like that's, that's, that's part of our job as being a special teams coach is, you know, you can't let anyone forget how important, you know, that phase of the game is. And sometimes they, sometimes that happens and, you know, I think it's our job to, to do it in the right way um, and to communicate that to the head coach. And, you know, it, it can't get to a point where it's, you know, it goes south during a game, it, it turns bad during a game and it's too late. You know, I think, I think you have to reinvent it every single day. You have to reinvent the importance of it every single day to the, to the head coach. And then of course, to the players. When you look at the special teams position, and I think this doesn't matter the level. It also doesn't matter to how much the guy at the top values or or doesn't value special teams. You have an opportunity as a special teams coach, as the guy leading that effort, to really influence the the culture of the program in a few different ways. Obviously, one, it's you like the strength coach and the head coach. You're the other guy who touches the whole team, right? Those guys are all in your meeting room and somehow have a role uh, or need to know a role on it. And then also for, for someone who's doing a great job with evaluating who fits in this position, there's mm-hmm. all these roles there. Everybody's brought in. And, you know, and it has another room and that's their primary spot. And they've been recruited to play a certain position or brought into a team to play a certain position. But then they also have to play special teams. But at the same time, now you can take that guy who's maybe a fourth on the depth chart in that other room. And because he's got some skill and and certainly has the drive and the interest to, to learn it and do it, can be a starter on a unit in special teams. That takes on a new perspective and how you're adding to the dynamic of this culture, the, the engagement of the guys, because they have an important role on the team. So a huge part of that, of the special teams coach is how you develop culture. How, how for you has, have you taken and really embraced that regardless of the situation you've been in? No, absolutely. You know, I think, I think it all starts with, with the leader of the team, you know, that your head coach, um, you know, his, most head coaches that I've worked for, I, I won't say all, but all the, the great ones, um, you know, Coach Cristobal, Coach Harbaugh, um, they all have like a, an underlying message, you know, whether it's it's a theme um, or 
season. Um, and then like you're saying, building that culture, which is exactly what we're doing at the university of Miami. Um, you know, you have to be another sounding board. You have to be another echo for that culture that, that, that coach Cristobal is building. Um, and you know, there's so many ways to tie it in. Um, you know, there's so many different ways to, to do it. And, you know, I, I think just, just really echoing, you know, what kind of player, you know, we want it at the university of Miami, how the mentality should be, you know, that, that ingrained toughness, that just that old school, you know, mentality of, of persistent players, you know, just no matter what the situation is, no matter, you know, what the circumstances are, you know, being able to mentally, you know, beat the, the guy across from you, you know, um, physically, you know, in every single way. Um, you know, I, I think what we do as special teams, you know, coaches is, is you have to keep building on that message from, from the head coach. Um, and like I said, there's just, there's just so many different ways to do it. You know, you, you always want to make sure that, that his message is that underlying message. And then from there, you know, you, you come up with like the, the themes of like, like I said, the week, the season, um, and, and then what you want to do and how you want to build that, you know, um, but it always has to tie back to that message that the head coach is, is giving the team um, and, and his mentality uh, and then his vision in, in developing the culture for, for that team. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. In looking at that, you know, you bring those guys together in a room, you got to get them engaged uh, pretty quick, and you're going to want to keep them engaged. What for you? What's what's the art of of running that room that those guys look forward to those meetings, right? I mentioned, you know, Mike Westhoff and hearing him tell his stories and and how really he just no one I don't think told him to go do it that way. You know, his book is called Figure It Out. And that's kind of the theme throughout is like, you know, he's he was going to do it and embrace it. And he, because it was so important to him and because he approached it that way, it became important to other people. For you, in, in your own style of coaching, how do you engage that room and those players in order to make the units the best that they can be? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it has to start, to me, it starts with carving a role for each each individual player. Um, it's, you know, from your starting quarterback to your, you know, your second or third string, uh, punter, you know, um, you know, carving a role for every single guy so that that they're engaged. You got to know every single guy that that's in the room. You know, it's, I'll tell you what, it's been a a little bit more difficult to learn, you know, 120 names versus, (laughs) versus either 53 or, or the 90 that you have in, in, in training camp, but you know, that, that to me is the best challenge because, you know, just like you said that the guy that might not be getting reps with the first and second team, uh, you know, as a linebacker, you know, that's okay. We'll find a role for him on special teams. And, you know, within that role, what are his strengths? Can he run? Can he hit, you know, if he's not, if he's not a great runner, you know, um, can we put him somewhere, you know, on the kickoff return unit where he's still going to be able to block and, 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 you know, get his presence and, and make sure that we're, we're utilizing, you know, his God given skill set and the things that he works on is, is he, you know, it, it, we got to make sure that he's not a weakness. And, and that's, that's something that's hard to do. Just like you said, you know, special teams coaches try to, you know, put the pieces of the puzzle together and, you know, you, you try to work, you know, somebody's ability and, and their strengths and put them in a position where they're going to be successful. And, and that's what, you know, to me, that's what you have to do. Um, but just like you said, you know, like get carve a role for him. You know, if, if our, you know, if our starting quarterback is, um, you know, happens to punt in, in his, in his career, you know, in his past or anything like that, do you put in a, a shotgun punt formation, you know, uh, on, you know, for, for on fourth down when, when, you know, you're in the plus plus area, do you uh, have him as a, as a backup holder and maybe put him in a couple times and, and then all of a sudden, you know, is, is he good enough to be a holder and is he, is he good enough to, um, you know, deter a rush because now everybody sees the starting quarterback as, as your holder, you know, so, you know, there's certain things that you want to do and certain 
situations and roles that you want to create for every single player in that room to be engaged and be the head coach of his position and his unit and his role, you know, and that to me is, is how, um, you know, Darren Rizzi did that. And, and I love that. Like, that's the thing I, I took from him. Everybody's got a role, everybody, you know, on the very first day, the very first meeting, every single player's in there, you know, and if they're not, then it's a disservice to, to your special teams because every single guy is, is somehow, somehow going to play on special teams at some point in their career. You know, and even if, if your starting quarterback, if your backup quarterback isn't going to play on special teams, well, guess what? They're still, they still may be on the field for, for like a fast field goal situation. And they have to make sure that when they run off the field, they're not, you know, they're not getting caught up with, with the group of guys that are running on the field. So even a small detail like that is important. And as long as they understand it, and as long as you're giving them, you know, the, that perspective, um, and you're talking to those guys specifically about game situations and what we need to do in this situation and where our field goal line is, you know, you're giving them information for them to be successful. You're giving them information. So when, you know, they're playing in the conference championship game or a rival game um, that they could be successful, you know, that they don't make mistakes and then they're not thinking about those things and it's second nature to them. Um, and I think that you can carve out a role for every single person you know, on your team and, you know, you know, being down at the university of Miami right now, you know, the, the, the thing that, that I love to communicate to our guys is how important special teams are at the next level. And you could be the starting running back, you know, at the university of Miami, but guess what? You may not be the starter. If you go, you know, play down the street for the Miami dolphins, you better figure out a way to make that team. And, you know, if it's, if it's being a, a personal protector on the punt team, if it's being a gunner, um, if it's being, you know, a, a contained player on kickoff or a safety, we got to figure it out. And you've got to channel your, you know, your defensive past. If you're an offensive player and make sure you know how to tackle and we're going to teach you how to tackle, you know, um, and it may be a little bit of it may be a, a little while since you've tackled. But I guarantee you, if you're an offensive player at the University of Miami, we're going to teach you how to tackle again. And it's going to happen a bunch of times during the preseason. So, you know, I, I just think it's, it's a great opportunity, you know, as a, as a special teams coach now, you know, to maximize the talent effort that you can get and the talent level that you can get out of every single guy and just carve that little role for them and, and make them good at it, you know. And, and listen, I've never had a problem in, in almost 20 years of coaching when, when that's happened. If, if you give guys a role and if you give them ownership of it, I mean, they'll they'll answer when when it comes time. When I look at, for me, what I felt was a, a jump in my understanding of special teams. I mentioned before we got going, my first day on the job as a college football coach at BW, Coach Snell brings in Frank Novak, who just retired from the Green Bay Packers, and for a day and a half we meet with him, and he goes over every detail of every unit, and I fill up notebook after notebook I was going to be in charge of the kick return and really um, for as much as I thought I had studied special teams to that point there were definitely some changes in my perspective and how I looked at things coming out of that day and a half and one was in how how you look at your personnel and I think especially when I was at the the high school level it was getting caught up with just well, who's, who's our best player? This guy here is a stud. So, well, that'll just translate to special teams. And so it was, number one, understanding the exact details of, of the job I needed each person to do and being able to outline those skill sets now that I could better look for, well, who is the exact guy? This guy, for example, I wanted uh, guys who could run and, and time up a block and get deep and time up a block on the front line of the kick return. And a lot of that did you know, it was, it was safeties. It was receivers. It ended up being a lot of our receivers and the, what we wanted them to do and how we coached them up. Um, but in looking at that, it was again, looking at the skill sets first, instead of just looking at the player and saying, well, he's a great player. That'll translate to special teams. I'll put him in right here. And I mean, you know that you've probably seen those situations where, that doesn't always work, especially if that guy's getting so many reps in other parts of the game. We tell him, yeah, we're going to play starters and they're going to be important. And, and I think theoretically, 
yes, those things work to emphasize it, but better than anything, it's like, man, you want the right guy as you know your starting slot receiver because he's able to do some certain things. To me, it was flipping that approach and taking it to special teams and saying, I, I want the right guy. I'm not just going to, okay, that's the starter on this unit, so he's going to be good over here. It was just changing how I looked at it and focusing on those skills that really made a difference for me. Absolutely. You know, um, I think evaluating players, you know, and just kind of seeing, you know, there's, there's so many good drills that, that I learned from, from some of those coaches um, that we would do first before we did anything, you know, and, you know, there's, there's a, just a, a drill called the cover drill that we would do, you know, and it was an open space drill where, um, you know, you have two guys, you know, approximately, you know, 10 yards apart and they are working together to just, you know, to literally underhand tap a returner, you know, um, and, you know, just doing stuff like the cover drill, for example, you know, and getting those reps at it, um, you, you get to see like the skill set of guys in a different way. You get to see, can this guy change direction? You know, um, you know, sometimes you could find a defensive lineman um, that, that does it well, you know, and, you know, you, you, you wonder, okay, okay, what's his role? Is he, is he the starting defensive lineman? Is he a starting defensive end? He might not be. Um, maybe his body's still developing in, in college football and we can use him right now before he, you know, maybe gains 20 pounds of, of muscle or, or whatever it is, you know, let's, let's use his skill set now and, and plug him in somewhere. Um, that, that was always the fun part for me is, is, is the personnel side and, you know, kind of fitting the pieces to the puzzle, um, especially, you know, it, it's, I think it's, you, you have to watch practice. I mean, that's one of the things that, that I, you know, try to do, you know, if we're not, if we're not in a special teams period, um, I'm, I'm definitely working with the specialists. I've always enjoyed working with the punter and the kicker and, and the, and the snapper. Um, and I've been around some very good players that I've learned from in, in the NFL uh, that, that have taught me that. And, and so, you know, you, you take it and you run with it. Um, and when I'm not working with those guys, when I have time to watch individual periods or even team periods, you know, a lot of my time is spent looking at who's, you know, how everything fits for us defensively, uh, how it fits for us offensively. And then, okay, so, you know, you're watching, you know, just like you're talking about that slot receiver and okay, how can I, where can I put him? All right. Like I'm just watching him run routes. I'm watching him block. Um, you know, can I put him on the front line to kick off return? I don't know if he can tackle or not. We're going to have to see if he can, you know, do things when we get to the tackling circuit. We're going to have to see what he looks like when we get to the pump block circuit. Um, and, and those things really start to kind of help you gauge where to, you know, where to fit players and, and how to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. And, you know, it, it, it always works out. Um, you know, as, as time goes on, their roles, you know, will expand possibly. Um, and then, you know, just like you said, Keith, like when, you know, sometimes you, you can't use that starting wide receiver um, on, on every phase or anything like that. But, you know, typically, you know, all the coaches, head coaches I've worked for have been awesome about just maybe having them on, on one phase. If, if he's going to be a gunner, he's a gunner. You know, if he's going to be our our ball guy on the hands team, he's going to be our ball guy on the hands team, you know? Um, so, you know, it, it, that's, that to me is the fun part, you know, and, and, and being around more players in college football um, gives you, it gives you more ideas. It gives you a little bit more depth of who can do things, which, which you love. And it, it was always harder in the, in the NFL because, you know, once you trim down the roster and then, you know, you start subtracting, you know, your, your guys that listen, there's going to be some coaches that, that aren't going to let you put um, your, your star receiver on, you know, on a, on a phase. And I get that, you know, because he's that big of a difference maker. You don't want to get him hurt and stuff like that. I, I get it. Um, but you better have a good backup plan of, of who's going to, you know, possibly take his role. Now, you know, so many of them have been really good returners. You know, I think that's, that's something that you, you, you possibly think about, or at least have a consideration for, but, um, I, I always love the personnel side of it and, and just how to, how to kind of fit everything. And, and then, you know, sometimes thinking outside the box when, when I was at Baltimore, we would put linebackers as gunners because some of them were fast enough and physical enough 
Um, and it was, it was only in certain situations, you know, it might've been a certain field position. Um, but, you know, just having the ability and the freedom to do that when it comes from the top, when it comes from your head coach, to me, is what's going to make you a, a great special teams unit. Yeah, I think you bring up an important point there, too, when you were talking about evaluating that for you. It starts with a drill, putting these guys in some drills first that are allowing you to see, okay, these these are the guys right now who are ahead and can do these things really well. And I think if you have the ability, filming that and being able to take that back uh, to the meeting room and talk about different guys to be able to, to slot them, I think there's a ton of value yeah, you want to install your units, but I think figuring out who that personnel is first. So whether that's, you know, shoot, at the, the small college level, you're bringing in a ton of guys every year, high school, you know, uh, you really don't get into that part deeply till till camp. So instead of just throwing a unit out there and I don't want to say guessing like these are the guys that are going to fit best, uh, let them show their skills, right? I I. I you know, specifically recall learning that from uh, Jim Meyer, who was our defensive coordinator. He was in charge of, of the kickoff unit. The first day, that's all he did was a drill and lined everybody up. And everybody, you know, pretty much, I wouldn't let quarterbacks go over there, but everybody got a shot at it. And he was able to see, okay, these, these are the guys I think who are going to fit well because they have those skills. So in looking at that, are there a couple of drills you'd recommend to coaches to say, you know, these are the ones worth looking at getting on film to be able to say mm-hmm. these, these guys will play best at least right now as they are you know at, at the beginning of this these guys are the play best on special teams no absolutely you know the, the cover drill that i spoke about is, is definitely one that's that that was always a big evaluator you know the very first uh few practices um i would i would say also a, a tackling circuit any type of tackling circuit where you guys you have guys um, you know, to me, there was, there's three or four different ways to, to tackle. Um, you know, I like to, I like to do that. I like to see, okay, who's, who feels comfortable tackling, who needs work? How, how do the offensive players tackle? You know, um, that was always a concern. And, and nowadays with safety and you, you just, you know, you never know what anyone's being taught. I mean, that's one, one thing that, that I'm, super passionate about is is teaching tackling and and doing it the right way but a tackling circuit is a great way to see you know who feels comfortable doing it who needs help you know um who needs work at it and you know you may have an offensive player that you didn't think would be a good tackler and that's a person that you have to play on on special teams i mean you know if if he's got the skill set that meets the other requirements um, you know, I think that's important. And then even getting into, even getting into like different circuits, like a punt block circuit, um, you know, I, I think that, that, that'll give you an idea of, of the guys that are coordinated, you know, just watching them on film, you know, you, you'd be surprised what you, what you see, you know, afterwards when, when you, when you're filming guys and, and you put them through different, different tasks like that, um, it gives you an idea of how guys can move. You know, um, and, and the other thing that, that I, you know, that didn't necessarily happen in the NFL. I mean, the guys that we, we got in the NFL are going to be those guys for the most part. I mean, you know, NFL players still develop physically. They definitely develop uh, from a mental standpoint and they, you know, hopefully keep getting better um, in all those regards. But in college, you know, the, the the six four or whatever you know the 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 two hundred and twenty pound defensive end who's not necessarily ready to play you know um in you know as a defensive end yet you know like we can find a skill set for him you know he's his body's still maturing he's only you know eighteen nineteen years old um but he's gonna get to a point possibly in in three or four years where he may be you know, the 6'4", 260 or 270 pound defensive end. And now his role is going to change as well. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, I think getting young guys, you know, involved early possibly when they're, when their bodies are still changing, you know, in college football um, is, you know, that, that could, that could also give you some more leeway as a, as a special teams coach. You know, you, you have to think about it, you know, from that perspective. Um, and, and I had to rechange my mindset because, you know, 
at the uh, at the same time now I'm thinking, okay, well, this guy's only 18 years old, or sometimes, you know, sometimes some guys are 17, you know, because they get there early and and they're there, you know, that's an earlier enrollment, and you know, what, how are we gonna, you know, how what's his skill set like? I mean, geez, he's so raw. We do, we got to keep working with him, but he's getting better because he got there early. Um, and those are things I never had to think about before in, you know, in the NFL. And there's a lot of merit to that because, you know, I think their, their bodies are still developing, you know, um, and, and there's different ways to, to make that fit for us on, on special teams, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in looking at uh, this time of the year, you know, we're, we're headed into camp, uh, Hey, you're going to have various varying uh, degrees of the amount of time that you're going to be given by your head coach. For you, what's the key to being efficient and being able to get everything you need to get in before week one? Yeah, I think I think starting, you know, like having us to me having a special teams calendar, um, you know, with the installs where. Now, it, it, I'm not saying that you got to fill the entire month of of August with, with with you know every single day with something. I think that's hard to do. But at least getting the first two weeks um, of your plan together, and then where it's going to morph to, um, you know, that's something we we always did in, in anywhere I've ever been. And you know, Rizzy was outstanding with it. You know, it, it was something that was going to be a little bit fluid because if we needed to work on punt a little bit more then, you know, we would, we would just add some punt days, you know, that third week um, and, you know, kind of tailor it to the things that we needed more work on. But I think the organizational part um, really comes to mind this time of year and making sure uh, that when camp starts and everything's going, um, you know, just like you said, we might not get all the time that, that you want, but at the same time, you know, I think if we budget the time that we have and, you know, make sure that we allot certain things. You know, I'm always going to work on punt more than anything. I think every special teams coach in, in the country does the same thing. Um, and, and you have to. It's it's such an important part of the game. Um, but then, you know, what what's my ratio to punt return, you know, which is also now, you know, extremely important versus kickoff and kickoff return, which, which are important, but we just, you know, we see more touchbacks and, um, you know, depending on our, who our opponent is, we might get more touchbacks and then, you know, look at your, look at the first three or four games of the season, you know, let's, let's make sure we're, we're teaching our guys, um, you know, things that, that are going to apply those, those four games, you know, um, we can, we can, we can still steer the conversation and the teaching, you know, to kind of, you know, fit those games without even letting the guys know. I mean, we're still working on fundamentals. We're still working on our technique, um, which I think are extremely important, especially in the preseason. Um, I'm a big fundamentals guy. You know, I don't think we have to get into game planning stuff until, you know, almost the week of, of the opponent. Um, you know, keep teaching them the different situations and different things that, that they're going to see, you know, possibly on game day. Give them reps of, of, of everything you possibly can. And then to me, you know, keep cross training is so important. You know, I want to make sure that, you know, our, our guards are able to play tackle on, on, you know, on kickoff return, our centers are able to play, you know, tackle, guard, whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's enough time. And, and just like you said, you don't get enough time. Um, but I think it's, it's the approach of how you, you know, teach that front line of kickoff return. If, you know, if you if you explain to the guys that hey, just because you you know we have you at the center position, you know this week you could be a tackle next week because, you know we may want to change some things up with our scheme. Um, and and I think just having a, a vision of what you know what's going to happen at least helps you, you know prioritize the time that you may be allotted you know by your head coach and and how you're going to do it. And I think that's that's the most important thing at least you know, working up to camp and, and making sure that, you know, you cover all your game situations and, and it, you at least get, get it on film. You know, that's, that's the, probably the biggest thing right now is, um, you know, when you're with a new team, you know, we had spring ball. Uh, some of the things that we did in spring ball, let's get them on film so we can teach, you know, teach off of them in the fall. And then we have a, at least a basis for them. Um, and, the, and the guys always like, you know, the, the, when I'm, whenever, whenever I change a job, hopefully it's not, 
too often anymore, but whenever I change a job, you know, the guys like watching themselves, you know, sometimes they like watching other people. I think, I think the guys at Miami like watching some, some of the other uh, NFL teams and stuff like that. that. That was great, but they want to see themselves on, on, on the teach tapes and stuff like that. And that's, that to me is important, you know, because then that's another rep when you're, when you're showing them, you know, what we're going to do in practice and how we're going to get aligned and what we're doing. Okay. I did it before that's me or, you know, that that's, that's my buddy. And, and now, you know, it, it, it starts to click for them. Definitely looking at how this progresses and, and moves forward. And that was a great explanation of how to use that time in camp getting into you know, early season and, and progressing through it. What's your approach to evaluating that performance on game day and continuing to develop? What do you look at in terms of, of breaking it down, how you get that evaluation back to them, and then how that shapes what you guys are going to do moving forward? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think one of the, the things that, that is so important is, is they, want, they, they want to see themselves. They want to, they want to be evaluated. Um, and finding, you know, sometimes finding the time to do that, it, it gets hard because you have to, you know, you're, you're moving out to the next opponent. Um, you know, I mean, I find myself doing this so much more nowadays, but, you know, using, using my phone to literally tape something, you know, um, of me watching them and then like, you know, explaining it to them. And then I just text it to them. I mean, it, it sounds so, you know, so, uh, trivial and easy but it, it it works i mean you know guys like respond right away um you know as far as like you know post game stuff you know you almost you almost don't have too much time to to look back at the last game but we we try to make the time and if you know for some reason we lose a little bit then it turns into like an individual thing where you know i may group text the the front line of the kickoff return unit and okay you know i'll go through every single guy and in, in about 15 or 16 seconds and what they need to do. And, and at least they'll watch it because it's so short and they know it's important. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to communicate now with, with the guys, as far as, you know, getting the information out to them. I think having a grade, uh, a grading system is important. Um, you know, understanding whether they, they block their man, you know, with the technique we try to teach and guess what, you know, sometimes it doesn't work with our technique, but they get the job done. And that's okay too, you know, that's okay too, but it's also important to point that out to them and then how they can maybe improve, you know, what they did on the run, um, you know, maybe making it morph into what we do um, as far as our technique goes. But, uh, you know, there's, to me, there's, you have to individually reach out to guys as well, um, you know, and then you get those players that, that just do things right because they're naturally really good at it. They're good athletes. They're smart players. Um, and you just you have to reaffirm to them that hey you're doing the right thing and and you know send them a clip or you know make them the, the example if if you can but you know I'm always more concerned about reaching the guys that that need the corrections because guess what you know we may have to play with those guys next week and we don't want to go week to week making the same mistake um, and you know whether they come in you know after practice or you know whenever they can whenever the NCA allows it. Um, you know, that's important, you know, and listen, I, I'm I, coach Chris balls blessed me to, you know, I've, I've got two other guys that, that work with us um, as far as coaches go. And, and, uh, and that's important too. You know, we, we split the work up and, you know, divide and conquer and make sure that the message gets across to the players. So, you know, we're, we're correcting the mistakes um, or we're praising them because they did the right thing. And, and now we can use it as, as teach day. In, in looking at game day, I talk to coordinators a lot on the other sides of the ball. I haven't necessarily gotten into and probably need to get into more conversations about game day communications. And you mentioned, you know, putting together the game plan. You're going to have those things that you do in there. But the, this, this game is played in context, too. So things change. There's different needs situationally over the course of the game. How do you keep those lines of communication open with the head coach and really sometimes the, the coordinators too to know uh you know i might have been thinking really aggressive in this situation but it, it might uh dictate something else or vice versa yeah i mean that's a great question so you know in the past what what we've done is you know as, as coordinators and the head coach um and and even as the entire staff you know depending on who the head coach is you know I, a lot of head coaches will just 
you know, have a staff meeting, you know, either the Thursday or Friday before the game or, you know, in the NFL, it was, it was sometimes on a Saturday, you know, morning or even, even a Saturday night at the hotel before the game. Um, I've been a part of all those. And we, we go through the game situations. We go through, um, you know, we, we at least give, give an idea of what, what we're expecting. Um, hey, coach, what are we going to do in this situation if it comes up? You know, I think you have to you have to speak up and you have to you have to present that to your head coach, um, because the last if, if 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 you're deciding on what to do on game day, and listen, I'm not saying that you you can't you know you can't do that, but it just you know to me like I want to make sure that that as many different situations are covered. Um, you know, there's so many different ones when it comes to special teams. You know, we used to cover them every week when I was with with Rizzi or, or even coordinating on my own um, every single week and you know, in the NFL, it was, uh, um, uh, you know, punt after a safety. You know, I want to make sure that the guys know who is on the kickoff return unit. we got to have three different guys that can catch a punt instead of, you know, guys that can catch a kickoff return. I mean, that that's important. You know, can we can we cover those bases in, in you know, at the University of Miami with the same players? You know, maybe the same guys can catch a punt and, and the same guys can catch a, a kickoff return. Um, you know, those those little things, you know, to me, like, I have those that, that we practice on special teams, but then when you do get with your head coach and your, your two other coordinators, you know, the, the, my favorite is, you know, the coordinators want to know what's our line or what's their line. Well, here's where it starts, right? I'll give them a starting point, but, you know, depending on where we're playing and what the wind conditions are, it's going to change. It's not going to stay the same the entire game. Um, you know, so you give them a starting point when it comes to that conversation, but, you know, at the same time, you know, you want to get into specifics before and listen, all the good coaches I've ever been around have to make adjustments on game day, too. And, you know, I see that more so um, with with, for example, like college punt versus NFL punt. I mean, NFL punt, you're going to get what you get because, you know, the formation is is the same or it's very similar. There's only a couple tweaks with college punt. You can get anything. Um, as long as there's seven guys on the line of scrimmage and, 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 you know, the, the, the right guys are in the backfield. I mean, you can see any formation, so you have to be adaptable on game day when it comes to that specific thing, I think, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, as far as the game situations go and, and everything like that, there's gotta be communication with the head coach and, and the other coordinators prior to, to the game even starting. And then if something comes up, you know, we, we have to make sure that we, we click over and we're, you know, we're talking with the head coach um, and he's, you know, he's communicating, you know, to the coordinators what, you know, what may work for us on teams and, and, and vice versa. Coach, to wrap things up and, and looking at everything you do, whether that's coaching the individual, coaching them off the field, building the, the culture, et cetera, what's the one thing you do as a coach that you feel really gives your players the winning edge? That's a great question. You know, to me, it's, you know, it's, it, it starts with getting to know each player on a personal level. You know, I, I think when you know who your players really are, you know, you know what their past consists of, um, you know what their home life is like, because everybody's is different. Everybody comes from different circumstances. Everybody comes from different places when you establish that relationship with them and then you take the time to, to talk to every single guy on a personal level um, and you get the chance to coach them, you know, in that intimate setting, you know, that, that to me is what really, um, really gets the guys to play for you because they, they build that trust in you as a coach and you know, there's, there's that level for them that well, this guy really cares about my future. This guy really cares about where I want to be. Um, and that's, that's all we want to do as coaches. We want to help these young men, you know, mature in, in life, mature on the field um, and, and put them in places and, you know, put them in situations where they're going to be successful, you know, and listen, there's, there's, a, we'll hide the stuff that, that they're not good at. You know, we'll, we'll make sure that, you know, we'll put somebody else in. I don't want to expose a guy who, who can't do something, but I want to help the guys that, 
know, I want to help that same guy excel at the thing that he is really good at and, and do it to the, to the highest level that he could possibly do it so that he can either play at the next level or that he can, you know, graduate from the university of Miami and say that coach really, you know, like I, I, that go, that guy really stuck with me, man. He was, he was great with everything and, and he helped me and, and, and I appreciate that about him. And, and that's what we're in this business to do. We're, we're in this business to help these young men mature in life and, and, and grow, um, you know, we, you know, coach Chris Ball always says at the university of Miami and, and I, I wholeheartedly believe this, like, these are our sons, you know, when they're on campus, they're our sons now. And, you know, we treat them like we treat our own. And, and that's the most important thing. You know, when you treat that guy, like, like he's your own, um, it, it makes a difference in every single way. Coach, I really appreciate being able to finally connect with you here on the podcast and, talk some balls, talk some yellow jacket football, talk some football and special teams. And for our coaches, our listeners out there, uh, if you want to connect with Coach on Twitter, it's at Coach Maloof. That's M-A-A-L-O-U-F. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Coach, again, thank you. Uh, it, It was a pleasure finally to meet you, to talk ball with you, to learn more about you and hear the things that you do. And I certainly wish you and the Miami Hurricanes luck in 2022. I appreciate you, Keith, and, and everything that you do, man. And and uh, it's uh, it's very special, you know, to be on this podcast and and just uh, you know the message that you you give everybody and, and the opportunity that you give everybody is is really special. And, and I want to thank you for that. And go Jackets! Go Jackets! <laughs>